This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au Thanks Mitch. Good morning everyone. Welcome. I'm excited for this one. This is this is leapfrogged into top five passages in the Bible for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin by breaking a rule that my preaching lecturer taught me, but I don't care. It's a, it's a quote that's going to come up on the screen. I read it last year and it's, it's haunted me. It's haunted me. Unless we seek God in radically different ways, the only thing we will do the next 50 years is manage the decline of the Western church. Unless we seek God in radically different ways, a fresh revelation of who he is and what it means to follow him, all we're going to do is manage the decline of the Western church. I don't know if you guys feel this or know this, but we're actually in our seventh decade in the West of decline of Christianity. Seven decades. Does that agitate or bother any of you? The church is exploding in other areas of the world. God's doing something special. But in the West, in Australia, the church has been declining for seven decades. And I think one of the greatest sins of the Western church is that we've made Jesus boring. We've made the gospel and what Jesus has done for us at Calvary and in the resurrection and his ascension and him giving us the Holy Spirit, we've made that boring. And so today we need a fresh revelation of what Jesus has done. We need a fresh revelation. We actually, we need an awakening. We need a fresh awakening of what Jesus has done for us. So let me pray. Holy Spirit, your spirit of wisdom and revelation, can I ask you to do something that my words can't do and my persuasion can't do? I need you to give me and give all of us here a fresh revelation of Jesus. So please work powerfully for your sake. And pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Be joining us at the start of Ephesians series, Tear Down the Walls. And if you were here last week, Matt Sparks really helpfully kicked us off by telling us what our identity is. Not getting our identity from within, which is the main cultural narrative, you know, look within, find out who you are, discover that. Not getting our identity from other people and what they say, but actually getting our identity by looking up and seeing what God has done for us. Finding our worth and value by what Jesus has done for us. And it's actually a pretty radical countercultural thing to do, to get our identity from what God says for us, what God has done for us. And I just want to quickly break down the first half of Ephesians 1 because it's intimately linked to this beautiful, rich prayer that Paul prays for us at the second half of Ephesians 1. So I just want to quickly just recap last week that Paul just systematically says that God, through Jesus, has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing that we are chosen to stand before him holy that we are 
sons and daughters of God that were adopted, that were accepted by him. Let me break this down for you. Paul is essentially saying to the Ephesians and to us, you're all billionaires. You're all billionaires. Now, I've seen to some of you, you're looking for Matt Sparks because Dawson's gone rogue. You know, we, we, he's gone prosperity gospel on us. Now, I'm being deadly serious that God, through Jesus, has done something through his death and resurrection and ascension and giving us the Holy Spirit that we are billionaires through Jesus. Do you not know what has happened? Do you not know what's happened when you put your faith and follow Jesus? What you are given, the life that you are given? We don't get it. We don't get it. If I, res- if, if I said that you're actually literal money billionaires, you guys would freak out. You're shook if I made that a reality. And yet the response when I say in Jesus spiritually that you're billionaires, that you have everything that pertains to life and fruitfulness in Jesus, you'd be freaking out. You'd be shook. Shooketh, as my friend says. And Paul's trying to, he's trying to remind us that it's great that you've, you've come into this relationship with Jesus, but my fear is that you will make Christianity this boring, once-a-week social club that doesn't impact the rest of my life. And when you know what's beautiful about this prayer? That he's actually speaking to believers. He's speaking to us that we need a fresh revelation of who Jesus is, that I need it. That when I say these things, these are weighty, weighty things, eternal things, things that we don't fully even comprehend, but we need the Spirit to help us comprehend that, that we are chosen to stand before him holy, that all the sins, all the failures, all the pride, all the disobedience and rebellion is gone because of what Jesus done, that that's washed clean, that we've been chosen, that Ephesians 1, this language of before the creation of the world, before time existed, you go back as far as you can, even just a bit before that, God saw you and he chose you. We need, we need fresh revelation of what Paul is saying is our new identity. And then we get to this beautiful prayer. Number one prayer in the Bible for me. Number one prayer. Some, I had a debate with someone, John 17, you know, Jesus praying. I've got to go with this. I'm going with this. I'm sure there's some YouTube channel. Ephesians 1 verse John 17. Ding, ding. I'm going with Ephesians 1. Verse 15. For this very reason, because you're all billionaires now, spiritual billionaires, for this reason... Because I have heard your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. I'm just going to stop there. We're just going to take a nice, slow walk through this passage. The Father of glory. What a title. The father of glory. This is who God is that James calls him the father of lights. And we need language to understand what God is that Hebrews says he's the father of spirits. 
Jesus calls him Father in heaven. Corinthians says he's the Father of mercies. He's the Father. He's the one who shines. Timothy, Timothy says that God dwells in unapproachable light. Unapproachable light. We can't even look. Psalm 104, he says he wraps himself in light. 1 John says that he is light and in him there is no darkness. He's the Father. He's the creator. He's the originator, the sustainer from whom shines glory. Glory is his very nature. And Paul stands before the Father of glory for the church and is praying and giving thanks. And this is so important that Paul, to this seemingly pretty healthy church, this isn't some rebellious, wild church like the Corinthians church. This is a pretty healthy church. And he's saying, you, you need to, you need to experience something fresh about Jesus. Because Paul understood that if the church got on fire, the lost would come in. And often we get that backwards, right? We get that backwards that we need to go tell our friends and our family about Jesus. But we're operating from a place of boredom or apathy. And Paul's understanding, no, you need, you need a fresh revelation of this glory. And if you get on fire, you see who Jesus is and what he's done for you. That's what's going to get you fired up. Those of you, some of you are doing Alpha tomorrow night. Hands up. Some of you invited friends. You're going to Alpha. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Alpha. Before I invite anyone here to go to Alpha, which you should, those of you that are leading Alpha, can I just say to you, you need a fresh revelation of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And if you receive that and see that, that is what's going to compel you as a natural overflow to invite, to, to answer questions with grace and to communicate what Jesus has done for us. We need a fresh vision. And this is my prayer. This is my prayer for us. Here at Anchor, we believe in this thing called verbal plenary inspiration. And that's a big word, but verbal plenary inspiration. It means that these words may have been written by Paul. Sorry, they were written by Paul, but they're actually God's words. They're God's words through man for us today. These words, 2,000 years later, are words for us today. And we need a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. Let me keep reading. Verse 17, so that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. <laughs> It's pretty awesome, sacred passages, these phrases. Spirituality is a pretty, it's a pretty common thing nowadays. You know, it's not, it's not, a, not as taboo as it was probably 50 years ago. And I think I just want to correct that. This, this spirit of wisdom and revelation, this isn't the spirit that people are trying to chase after now. This isn't the spirit that, you know, we go to a day spa with the cucumbers and all, you know, all the oils and try and you know, get more spiritual. This isn't the spirituality that we get through meditation. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the third person of the Trinity that has power to reveal who Jesus is for us. And we need, we need it. 
we desperately need it. And my question to you today is, who do you think Jesus is? Who do you think Jesus is? And the most common answer through the ages is, he's just a man. A good man, a a great man, a great teacher, and maybe a great social leader, like, like Gandhi, you know, like Mother Teresa. And I'm here to declare to you that he isn't just another man. This Jesus isn't just another man. Jesus is God. He is God. He's fully God and fully man. And he was there at the beginning, John says, that in him and through him all things were made. In him and through Jesus, all things were made. And Hebrews calls him the the brightness of the Father's glory, the express image of God. That if we want to know this God that is in unapproachable light, it's revealed through Jesus. That all things are held together through Jesus. Who is this man? He is the full revelation of God. He's made known to us. And we're called into this forever journey, this forever journey of Jesus. I've been following Jesus since 2008 when I recommitted. And some of you may know this about me, I'm, I'm quite easily bored. You know, I pick, up, I pick up hobbies very often. You know what I mean? I, I got into rollerblading one time. <laughs> You're laugh- That's right, Matt's laughing. I'm a heavy guy with bad balance. But you get carried away, you get a hobby. I went and bought rollerblades for $106, Rebel Sport. I wore them once, never again. Bored, you know, hobbies, cricket, whatever, rugby league, Oz tag. I did mixed netball for a bit. And then now into basketball, always switching. But when it comes to Jesus, I just haven't got bored. That year after year. And those of you that have walked with him for a while, he's just he's compelling. This man, this God man is the most, most beautiful most intoxicating, most compelling, most wise person that has ever walked this earth and he is, he is reigning and ruling. And this is what Paul's trying to say for us. This is, this is to Christians. He's saying, you need to know. The, the, the eyes of your heart need a deeper revelation of Jesus and what he's done for you. Because some of you are bored. You ticked the box. You raised a hand 10 years ago. Every five years on the census. And you can give comprehension about who Jesus is and what he's done. But there, there isn't this intimate knowledge of who he is. And he wants that for you. I ran into an old friend that I hadn't seen about five years last month. Old pastor's kid, um, curious, just curious to see how his life's going, curious to see if he's still walking with the Lord, and just touched base at a cafe and sadly said, yeah, no longer going to church, no longer going to church. And this was his line, he says, look man, I, I know all the answers, but I'm just not keen to follow Jesus. He knows the answers. He knows what Jesus has done for him, but just not not compelling enough. 
to sacrifice and to follow. And Paul's overwhelming language here is to actually make us feel a bit overwhelmed. I don't know you've ever read Ephesians 1, but man, just one long sentence of just wild, beautiful, sacred language about who God is and what Jesus has done. It's actually meant to make us feel quite small to what Jesus has done. That we're actually this kind of small dinghy boat in the middle of this Pacific Ocean of what Jesus has done for us. That some of us have made a decision to follow Jesus and stepped off the wharf. But man, we're on this boat and we're still roped to the dock. We haven't even started to explore the riches and beauty of what following Jesus is all about. And Paul's compelling this church and I want to compel us to cut off that rope and to begin a deeper, more risky, adventurous, joyful journey with Jesus. I don't know if you guys have ever binge watched TV. We're in the era, not a hard sell, a lot of nods. Man, COVID was loose, right? You, you go through a season of friends in a week. But I don't know if you guys have that kind of, that constant urge to, to, to re-watch a series over and over and over again. This is a bit of a shameless, guilty pleasure confession. But I have, I've watched all sen- 10 seasons of Friends about seven times. Now, I'm a bit shameful of that. And Callan, okay, come on, Pearl Burley. And we'll talk about, this, I'll talk about it later. Chandler and Joey, what a bromance. Anyway, sitting down with Callan, I was like, what do you want to watch tonight? You know, you want, Callan's like, you want to start something new? And I'm like, not really. Why don't we, you know, season three of Friends, why don't we just go again? And I think there's this, there's this hunger to devour not just more seasons, but actually to go back and discover new things. And there's a comfort and a familiarity, but you actually, oh, you discover new jokes and you laugh at something you didn't laugh at 10 years ago because you didn't get it. And there's this, there's this longing and hunger for more and to go back. And some of you have never done that with Jesus. Never done that with Jesus. You raised your hand at a camp, you ticked the box, and then that's it. And you just lived your own life and you haven't gone back to revisit and go deeper and see the beauty and riches and the humility. Like, we would weep. Honestly, we would weep at the humility of what Jesus did at Calvary. If we could sit in it and comprehend it for what he's done for us at Calvary and in his resurrection and the indwelling Holy Spirit, we would, we would weep if we would revisit and go back. And I want to say to you that that, that kind of eternal longing for kind of more to revisit something, that longing for, I'm just going to go back and rewatch that, that hunger, that curiosity, that's actually an echo of an eternal longing for something deeper. That's an eternal longing, a fascination that can only be satisfied in God. That nothing in this world will satisfy that ache. And then, man, I thought Father of glory and spirit of wisdom and revelation was rich. And Paul just keeps going. Verse 18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. And then Paul just has these three points under. What is 
What's the knowledge? What does Paul want us to know the knowledge of him? The hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Paul prays these, these three points under the, under the banner of knowledge of him. Of us knowing him more. Hope inheritance, and power. So I'm just going to break them down real quickly. The hope. The hope to fill you. And you guys have this, this anticipation of what's going to happen at the end of the age. That there is this hope. I don't know if you guys have just, you just sit in front of the news and you watch what's happened the last year and you ache for for God to come back and just to make everything right, to make all things new, to stop injustice and the corruption and the brokenness. There's, there's this hope to which he has called us and we forget. We forget the hope that which he's called us, that there is this grand narrative and the end has been written, that God has promised that he will come back and make all things right, that that is the destiny of humanity and for us to set the trajectory and the affections of our heart anchoring to that endpoint and making decisions working back. That is the hope that we have. And to have this certainty for us that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And if you guys feel that, man, there's, just, there's no hope. Not just for humanity, but for me. I'm, I'm too far gone. But Paul's reminding us that there's this hope for us. And I don't want you to lose it. Ever since Billy was born, I, I haven't been able to watch live sport. Those of you who know me, I, I love live sport, but I haven't been able to watch it. But what I've been able to do is I'll watch replays. You know, watch it on demand. That's great. Optus, NBA League Pass, I can watch stuff on demand. Anyway, one of my least favorite things that happens is big games coming up. I'm an Arsenal fan in the Premier League. I know, commiserations, Arsenal suck. But I know Arsenal have a big game. It was on overnight. I can't watch it live. But the next morning, I'm ready to watch it as if I don't know the result. And then what's the worst thing that happens? Your friend texts you. The result being like, oh, such a good game. You missed such a cracker. Arsenal scored last minute and we won. Miracle. Anyway, I'm freaking, I'm, I'm, I'm gutted because... <laughs> You know, I crafted out these, these 90 minutes to enjoy this. Anyway, I remember the game, we actually went 1-0 down, but ended up winning 2-1. Anyway, when, when the other team scored to go 1-0 down, I just, I went off. Threw the pillow at the TV, I was real upset. And Callum walks past and just laughs at me. You're like, don't, don't you know the result? <laughs> like, why are, you, why are you getting so upset? And I'm like, no, 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 leave me alone, I'm in... You know, I'm in a, a glass case of emotion. Leave me alone. And I think this is, this is often what we do with our faith, that we forget the end result. That, yes, we're meant to grieve and mourn with the pain and the losses of this world, but we forget that at the end of all things, God will come back and set things right, that justice will be served, and we will have peace and relationship with God forever. We forget, we forget the hope that is before us. 
man, I could spend a whole sermon on that. just the hope part, but I've got to keep moving. So number one, knowledge of God, we need hope. Secondly, we need the inheritance. This is beautiful, the riches of his inglorious inheritance in the saints. What a statement. Inglorious inheritance in the saints. I got given this prayer this week as I was kind of reading for this passage, and I think we need to start praying it. Father, reveal to me what I have in Jesus. Father, reveal to me what I have in Jesus. The riches of his glorious inheritance. We can't even comprehend what we have, that we will inherit the earth, as scripture says. And Father, reveal to us what we have in Jesus. Now, often we're we're like kids that we've been given a mansion and we're just going to sit at the front door playing with the keys. You know what I mean? This, I did this with Billy, you know, my, my 11-month-old last Christmas. We, we paid an expensive gift. What do they do? They take out the toy, and she just played with the box. We've been given these glorious inheritance, and we're just satisfied in how we, how we fight our sin, how we deal with our guilt and shame, the purpose and affections for our life. We're just fiddling with the keys. And I just want to say to you as well that this grand narrative at the end of all things, that God has prepared a wedding gift. God has prepared this beautiful wedding gift for Jesus, this inheritance. That at the end of all things, the Bible, the Bible starts with this wedding in Genesis 2, and it's going to end with a wedding. And the Father, God, is going to give Jesus this wedding gift. You know what the wedding gift is? It's us. It's us. That is, that is the inheritance that the Father wanted to be with us, to have relationship with us. Man, we need, man, we need some spirit of wisdom and revelation to understand how beautiful that is. That the church, us forever, is just going to love and adore Jesus over everything else. Over everything else. That there's this glorious inheritance And Hebrews says that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. For the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. And why did he endure that pain, that scorn, that rejection? Why? So he can have a relationship with us again. Mm. You are his inheritance. You are his inheritance. And we are his. And thirdly, knowledge of God. So we have hope. We have inheritance. And thirdly, we have power. Power. Verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? And Paul is praying this, that God has all the power. That he is limitless in his power toward you. He's limitless. And right now, you have that power living inside of you. That right now, that you have the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that power is inside you. This isn't me talking. This is, this is from the Scripture. We need some revelation to understand this, that this power, like, and there's nothing more powerful than God 
raising a man from the dead and just keeping him alive for eternity. That's, that's powerful. You know, Lazarus raised from the dead, but then he died again later. That God has raised Jesus from the dead and kept him alive. And Paul is saying, if God the Father can raise Jesus from the dead, and he's doing the most impossible thing there, if our God did that, surely what you deem as an impossible circumstance in your life is nothing compared to this. That there, there are circumstances that we feel are impossible. And Paul is saying there is power towards you to raise you out of an impossible situation. That there is power available for you. And pff, one of the most common pastoral care things that I deal with, even especially for kind of men my age, 30s, they're just dealing with a lot of shame. A lot of shame. A lot of shame for... The most common one I have is just porn addictions and adultery. Right? They're, they're the kind of biggest two hitters that I feel like I'm dealing with the last 12 months. And they're, they're just stuck in this shame spiral and not comprehending anyone could love and accept the real them. And I want to remind, I often have to remind them and I want to remind us that there is power towards you to raise you out of any circumstance any sense of stuckness, that there is power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and has kept him alive and sustained him to raise you out of a circumstance or a sin. That power is available to you today. And man, it's similar, similar to this, this story I heard from a friend of a friend. He went on, he went on this cruise. Who remembers cruises with COVID? But I remember cruising was like a thing, not just for old people, but even people our age. Anyway, bought this ticket for a cruise, you know, went around cruising. Apparently, it's a lot of fun. You know, there's like concerts and like buffets and like clubs. It is a lot of fun. Who's saying? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lisette. Apparently, we'll go on cruises after COVID is finished. Anyway, he went on this cruise, but beforehand, he, he bought a pack of Wonder White bread and three tubs of peanut butter. Because he thought he had to bring his own food. And so every day, he'd enjoy the cruising life. I don't know what it is. Bingo in my mind. It's like, an, it's, it's like RSL on, a, on water. That's why I visualize. But apparently, it's a lot better than that, Lisette. I'll take your word for it. But anyway, when it came to mealtime, he went back to his room, wonder white bread and peanut butter. And then he realized afterwards, he went home and... His mates told him, don't you know that you had the buffet included in your ticket? You had lobster, every cut of meat, cocktails, dessert, every meal available to you, and you were stuck eating Wonder White and peanut butter. Now, it's a very trivial example, but I actually think that's often how we live our Christian life, that there's actually this power available to us this buffet of purpose and how we fight our sin and how we get clarity in how to set our affections and do our relationships and we're stuck just eating Wonder White and peanut butter. There is a power available to us. 
Man, you think you've reached the summit of this prayer, but man, we're just halfway. We've just set camp at like base camp. Keeps going. Verse 20, he says, His great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. (laughs) That's too beautiful (laughs) of who Jesus is. Hmm. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. That Christ right now is reigning and ruling. He isn't dead anymore. Just as I close and wrap up, I want to end with these, these two phrases in the Bible that I want us to nail and concrete into our hearts. In him, in you. In him and in you. These are the two most important phrases in the Bible. That we are in him, Jesus. It's Ephesians 1. It's all through Ephesians, dozens of times. And in you. That Jesus is in you. You can find that in Colossians 1. And do you know, do you know who is inside of you? Do you know? Who is in you? Do you know how rich you are? You're, you're billionaires, remember. Billionaires, spiritual billionaires. And we keep living in this cycle of fear and rejection and apathy and boredom. And we need an awakening for what we have in Jesus and what is in us. And if you've given your life to Jesus, then the death he died, you actually died. And the resurrection that he experienced, you've experienced. And the ascension and raising up that he experienced, we've experienced and made together in him in the heavenly places. That we have been set free from all of our shame and guilt and the power of Satan and sin and death and all dominion of darkness. And we've been transferred into this kingdom of light and love and peace. And we are joined to him. Saying we're the expression of his life to the church today. That we are the expression of Jesus' life and death and resurrection and reigning rule to the church today. And we live that out of our union with him. That he is in us and we are in him. That's how we get our fire and wake us up again. Dallas Willard, one of my favorite Theologians and thinkers says this, the key to loving God is seeing Jesus. To hold him before the mind with as much fullness and clarity as possible. It is to essentially to adore him. That's the key to loving God. Intimacy with Jesus. To see him and to adore him. Just as I invite 
the band and Steve up. Do you know what every, every preacher's greatest fear is? Every preacher's greatest fear, and it's my greatest fear, is that I would preach something and not live it in my own life. That I would come up here and passionately, compellingly communicate something to you and then in my own life not live it out. That we would be hypocrites. That we would, we would know something, we would say something and not live it. And this is, this is what Paul's trying to say, that we, we can know something. We can, we can tick off some comprehension, but we don't have this experiential, the eyes of our heart have been enlightened. This intimacy with Jesus to know him, to see him, to live him as our anchor. And people know, like others know him. Atheists, they know, they know about Jesus. They do. Buddhists know about him. Muslims know about him. I don't want you just to know the facts. I want you to know his heart, his plans for you, his affection and love for you, that you were made to have deep intimacy with Jesus. That's why you were made, to enjoy him forever. Now we're going to... We're going to respond in a very different way. Apparently in a way we actually haven't responded in Anchor City for a while. I think the most appropriate way to respond to this rich prayer is to pray. Is to pray. And then then we're just going to sing and adore Jesus. But before we do that, we're going to pray. And I'm not just going to pray over us. I want to encourage you guys to actually pray with each other. to, To turn to the one or two, three people around you. And just pray for them. Now, I know some of you, I don't know, this may be your first time at church, first time into Anchor. I totally want to honor and respect if, if you're not comfortable praying with someone around you, you just sit there quietly with your eyes closed, reflect on what's been done. But for those of you that are comfortable, turn to two or three people around you and pray for them. Pray for them. And a big kind of re- like debate I've been having with some of the staff members is like, I know this is quite like an intimate thing, praying for one another, but man, when you guys worship, that's a real intimate thing. When you guys worship and cry and raise hands, that's a very intimate thing that you'll do shoulder to shoulder with a stranger. But I just want to encourage you just to turn around and pray. Introduce yourself. And if you don't, want, if you don't know what to pray, let Scripture inspire you. Let Scripture inspire you and just say, hey, I'm James. Nice to meet you. John Smith. Can I just pray for you? Can I just pray that you would get the spirit of wisdom and revelation? It can be as simple as that. Can I just pray that your heart would be enlightened to know the hope you have? Can I pray for you to know the inheritance that you have? Can I pray for you for for power over any circumstance you feel stuck in? So if you feel comfortable, just... Turn around, pray with those around you. If you don't know what to pray, just use scripture to inspire you. And if if nothing else, you can pray that prayer that I said before that I've been praying this week. Father, reveal to me what I have in Jesus. Reveal to me what I have in Jesus.
And I'm just going to leave some space, just a few minutes for us to pray. Introduce yourself and that we would do something special here. And then I'll come up in a few minutes and wrap up in prayer. And then we're going to sing and adore Jesus. So I'll leave you to it for a few minutes. That's a holy sound for me. I hate interrupting. Just in closing, I want to remind us that this isn't just Paul's words for the Ephesians church, but this is God's words over us. So just as a response, if we just want to stand and prepare our hearts for worship, I'm just going to pray these words over you that you would receive them as God's words over you. Now, Father, I want to pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give us, Anchor Church, the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, that you would open the eyes, these people here, you would open the eyes of their hearts that they may know what is the hope to which He has called them. What are the riches of the glorious inheritance that they have? And what is the immeasurable greatness of the power towards them who believe? According to the work of your great power, Jesus, that you worked when you raised from the dead and now you're seated at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule, and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And Father, I just pray that you would reveal to everyone here who they are in Jesus. And to yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.